Obviously now second and six. Williams makes a cut and will roll into the end zone for the touchdown. No flags. Welcome to that America Football Show, the real season MVPs. Uh, we are just two of us today. We've got Craig uh, and myself. Craig, say hello. Hello. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> Craig, say hello. Uh, um, unfortunately, Tim is in the lovely country of Mexico, enjoying the sun, and Joe has been swamped with work. So uh, you just got me and Craig today. So obviously, biggest week of football this last weekend, the Super Bowl. Uh, me and Craig watched it in Liverpool. I know Joe and Tim were watching it uh, with their mates as well. Uh, what what did you think of it, Craig? Uh, I really enjoyed it. It was one of the more exciting Super Bowls I've seen for quite a long time. It was a really, really close competitive game and it was nice to, you know, no offence to Patriots fans, but it was nice to have a Patriots free Super Bowl. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You're such a, such a difference from last year, which was just stifling defences and crap offences. Proper, two teams proper going at it. Well, the first half of this game, I thought was quite quite the defensive battle. Like, both defences were really sharp. I think I'd give the slight edge to San Francisco's defence. You know, the, the Chiefs didn't exactly come out and just light things up like they have been doing. They really did a good job of putting Mahomes under pressure. He looked really uncomfortable, especially in that, in that first half. And they were rushing him a lot. He was struggling to make throws. You know, they, they, they were really sort of struggling to get clicking on offence. And I think it was the same story on, on the San Francisco team like they were forcing Garoppolo to to throw more like the running game was really was really struggling which was something that they've been leaning on especially in the playoffs right so may as well go straight on into the rest of the Super Bowl uh, we're going to divide this up into uh, the two teams uh, so we can get a bit more detail going on that Craig what do you think of the the Chiefs as a whole yeah, so I thought the Chiefs they, they struggled a little bit in the beginning I think they didn't really get going on all of a sudden until the fourth quarter when I think maybe the, the 49ers defence was a little bit worn out and he'd had a bit of bit of time to sort of implement some changes. You know, Williams went off towards the end of the game. Hill had a big game. He got over 100 yards. You know, Watkins, he had a good game himself. Um, you know, he was on he was on 98 yards. Um, yeah, you know, it was typical sort of story of the Chiefs, but it was just they came out later in the game rather rather than earlier in the game. You know, Mahomes, he really struggled, especially in the first half. It was only um, towards the fourth and late in the third that he sort of started to look like the Mahomes that we all know. Definitely, yeah. In in that first half, you could see him. The, the O-line wasn't doing him any favours against Nick Bosa, but he was struggling to get passes that we're just used to him seeing get off. And then uh, I think the one of the big changing points in that was, I think it was deep into the third, uh, and he was doing a scrambling around, the, the line had broken, and he just flings it up and catches, I believe, Tyreek Hill, just in loads of space. And I think that was the catalyst. Like, there's, there's a big Chiefs play, go and get the next touchdown. And uh, like you said, the fourth quarter, it was classic Chiefs, just absolutely romped the game up. Yeah, I think I think the turning point in this game for me, like when I was watching it and I thought, okay, that that's that's a big key turning point was when I think it was late in the third, early in early in the fourth, and 
Sam Fran still had this 10-point lead and you know how quickly the Chiefs can put points up on the boards and they just held them to get them out again and I was thinking, right, this is a key drive. Either the 49ers score on this drive and they pull ahead or they don't and then if the Chiefs manage to capitalise, like, they're right back in this and they've only got that that little three-point lead and unfortunately for San Francisco, they just couldn't capitalise. You know, when they did get a big play, it was called back on, on a penalty. Um... And then in the end, they got they ended up going off the field, and the Chiefs came on and scored. And then the momentum completely shifted in their way. I think that was that was the key drive. I think if they had managed to push the ball downfield, if that penalty hadn't called the long playback, and which would have extended the drive, I think that that would have been a key a key turn and point in the game because then it wouldn't just been been 10 points it would have been 17 points you know what I mean and it yeah. would have been just a, it would have been maybe one possession too much for them okay and just for those who don't know the stats on that game some of them were um, Mahomes threw for 24 times uh, 42 attempts uh, 286 yards and two interceptions two touchdowns it's very un-Mahomes like throwing two interceptions uh, Williams ran for 104 yards and a touchdown on 17 carries Hill like you said 105 yards uh, and then the defense got two sacks it was uh, Kendall Fuller who caught the kind of the game ceiling one and uh, Brashad Breland also got one earlier in the game of uh, one sack Frank Clark um, which I think it's it's a good stat line for a team that's got a strong run game. Uh, typically, those types of teams don't get the turnovers because they, they don't throw the ball that much and the ball carriers know how to protect the ball. So to get uh, one sack but two ints on a team that doesn't pass too much, I thought was really good. Anyway, let's move on to the 49ers. Craig, what was it that jumped out from you by them? Um, it, the, the running game just really never got going. I mean, you look, you know, you were talking about the stats, you look at the stats, like uh, Mostert got 12 carries, only 58 yards, and he did get a touchdown. You know, Samuel, 53 yards on three carries. Um, they kind of, the, the running game just never really got going for them, which forced Garoppolo to throw. Like, coming in, coming into this game, Garoppolo been throwing, like, it was less than 15 a game. Uh, I don't know what the, I can't remember off the top of here what the exact stats were, but he was he was literally just throwing minimal every game, and in this game he, he had 31 attempts, 20 completed, 219 yards, one touchdown, two in. So they were really started to heavily, especially as the game got further and further on, to rely on Garoppolo and that passing game rather than the rush, which was which was what was sort of carried them through the playoffs up until this point. A big a big stat line I noticed there was with the, like you said, they're throwing more, but on the receiving end, the top three receivers for their team in that game, uh, Kendrick Bourne, Debo Samuel, and the fullback Kyle Yusek. So where were George Kittle and where was Emmanuel Sanders? They Obviously, Kittle's more than just a catcher. He's a big run, run game blocker as well. But when your two star kind of offensive players aren't getting uh, the receiving yards against a, a Chiefs defence that was a bit slated throughout the season. I think that's... Um, I've got no hesitations that Jimmy G's a great quarterback because obviously he, is, he made a Super Bowl and you don't make a Super Bowl that a good quarterback. But maybe he's not the the best p- passing one. He maybe but he is more of someone that's very good at game managing because if, if those two receivers can't be getting more yards in a Super Bowl... Uh, I just think it's something must have gone wrong there because all, all the Chiefs' defense just stopped the two best players on that offense because I felt it was very unusual. 
Yeah, I thought, I mean, I'm going to, you know, obviously there's a little bit of bias here, but two, two standout players on the field for me were former Ravens, you know, Suggs might not have got any sacks in anything, but he was getting getting a lot of pressure in there. And I think he was that nice level, experienced old head on that defence. And, you know, on the other side of the ball, Juszczyk, like he, you know, he got the touchdown. He, you know, he had three receptions on the night. Like, you know, for a fullback, he was doing a little bit of everything and he was one of the more standout players on on that 49ers offence for me. Love me a fullback, Craig. <laughs> it was nice to see one get a TD. For those who don't know, I was a fullback in our college days. Oh, I'm, I'm sure you, I'm sure you've never mentioned it. I'm <laughs> sure I've never mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, two, uh, uh, two picks for the, for the 49ers as well. Didn't hear much from Richard Sherman, I must say. Uh, oh, he, he got his ankles broken, mate. Like, he got his ankles well and truly broken. I can't remember who it was on one play. I just remember looking and just seeing Sherman just get duped and just hit the deck. Like, was it Hill? It may have been Hill. I've, I, I remember which play you talk about on the, the right sideline. Yeah, but, I know. Yeah, he did not have a he did not have a great game, but I appreciated the memes afterwards that were floating around of the (laughs) the clip of him on the sideline pulling that like disgusted face from when he was at Seahawks and same thing again, you know, history repeating itself. Like, oh dear, Uh, and then but they they had a big day on the line. Like they got what was it one, two, three, three and a half sacks, four sacks on the night. And to tell me this, Craig. Obviously, Andy, Andy Reid's finally got himself a Super Bowl. Uh, he it, His time management had been questioned and he basically coaches outside of, obviously, the slow start, a perfect game. He he wins himself a Super Bowl. Big Andy gets the cheeseburger. But has Kyle Shanahan now got a reputation? Potentially, but he's still a, he's still a young coach. He's still got... He still got. I mean, he could have very, very, very nearly won this game. You know, it was tight up until the end. Um, it could have gone either way. I don't think it was a particular standout performance from either of them. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't put too much stock into that. And maybe he might put some pressure on himself, but he's still got a long career ahead of him, and I'm sure they'll get there again. You know, as we're going to talk later on. Um, this is a very young San Francisco team that he's just took over and they've got a very bright future and I think next season they're going to come back with a chip on the shoulder. Ah, that old cliche. The Rams are going to do that this year. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Right. So then let's move on to just how this Super Bowl has really uh, affected the league. So obviously Patrick Mahomes, uh, I think it's the, the, he's the youngest person to... Is it uh, MVP and Super Bowl MVP? Uh, youngest person to ever do that, I believe. Uh, a lot of discussion that potentially Damian Williams should have got the uh, the MVP because Mahomes didn't pull a blinder, really. Um, but then my argument to that would be Damian Williams did well, but he also got a lot of his yards on that last run at the end. Did you see the, the tweet from Mostert on um, him and Williams swap jerseys at the end of the game? Because apparently they're good friends and they, they speak, you know, they, they know each other quite well. And he swapped, he agreed to swap jerseys at the end of the game. And um, Mostert put a tweet up with the, the picture of the jersey and it had like been signed and stuff. And he was saying, should have throw this on eBay, you know what I mean, <laughs> sort of thing. And then he was like, no, I'm going to give it to you back because it's something that, 
he just he wants his jersey back and he wants to re-swap because he's like, look, like this jersey's yeah, going to be worth a lot. Jersey. Yeah, yeah. One, it's going to be worth a lot of money, but two, it's got a lot of sentimental value to your family and stuff. And in terms of the future, so like, it was sort of put out there as a news story, like, oh, scandal. He wants to swap jerseys, but no, it was it was done in a nice way, not in a yeah. not in a spiteful way. Well, that is nice. A lot like of respect that. between the two of them there. And yeah, um, well, obviously Andy Reid gets his first Super Bowl. Carl uh, Shanahan loses another one. Uh, Suggs gets the... two. Suggs gets two. <laughs> Stephen Wisniewski, their left guard, gets his second. Uh, but yeah, I think I, it, it was interesting because there's not massive amounts of animosity for either team. Like, obviously, you see the Patriots. A lot of people don't like the Patriots. A lot of people don't like the Eagles. A lot of people don't like the Cowboys. With the at least not in our generation, obviously, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, older fans that would disagree because the 49ers were that kind of team back in the day. But it, it seemed like a quite a sportsman-like game, really. In that everything, there's there's no dramatic fallout from the game, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think what it did show was that, especially that it's just it showed especially that front that sort of front seven of that defence on the San Francisco 49ers, it's legit. You know what I mean? It just, you know, you can, even with the likes of Mahomes and stuff, who's renowned for the scrambling, you know, to put that amount of sacks up and to pick them off twice, which is something that's very, like you said, on Mahomes, like, it, it showed that that team is as legit as it should be. And I think vice versa, you know, the way, the way KC came back and the way they were able to sort of keep fighting and keep chugging on and stuff and find a way to win and sort of credit to both teams and show that they both did deserve to be there. You know, because I think coming into it, as good as the Chiefs were, like, the um, and the Niners as well, I think they didn't exactly, the Chiefs especially, I think could have had a much tougher road to the Super Bowl, you know, with the likes of the Ravens going out and the Pats going out and stuff like that. Like, they didn't exactly have the, the toughest road to get yeah, there. Yeah, they did get lucky that the Titans choked. Yeah, um, and I think sort of vice versa I think like with the likes of the Saints not going through for for the 49ers and stuff like that they had a bit of a easier run than maybe you would have suspected to get there but both teams really showed up and I think they were they both deserved to be there and they give us give us a great game it was nice to watch I definitely agree and we'll we'll call it call a review on that nice note so on to some news uh, following the Super Bowl so a uh, big one for us UK fans is the Jacksonville Jaguars have been confirmed to be playing back-to-back Wembley games uh, for the first time in history. Well, for first time, back-to-back home games outside of the of America's uh, first time history. Uh, how do you think about that, Craig? Um, well, I, I mean, I get why they chose the Jags. I understand why local fans would be annoyed, why maybe some people within the Jags franchise might be annoyed because um, obviously it's it's a home game but is it necessarily a home game they've probably picked the Jags because they've had that long term deal and they've they've put so much time and effort into building up a Jags fan base over here from back when they were um and 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 about moving the Jags over here um, it makes sense because you've got that big core fan base here but I don't know I guess we'll see for me I think it's nice it's nice if the more games you, you can get over here the better it is Um but I can I can understand from especially from home fans who are from from my area from the area um, I can understand the frustration of the home games being moved. So much frustration, in fact, that 
over 14,000 fans have signed a petition to stop this second home game. And, and I must say, I do agree with them uh, from a from a UK fan perspective. I like to see as many teams as I can uh, get the opportunity to come over. Um, and the Jags taken up two of the, what, eight slots. That reduces the chance of me seeing either my team or a team I'd love to see. It's a very selfish point of view, but... I'm going to be honest, I've seen the Jags play twice now. One was with the Eagles, so obviously loved that. The other one was fairly tepid, and I'd rather see a more exciting team than the Jags. Yeah, I've seen them like two or three times now. Once was them beating up on my Ravens when I was happy to go and see them. They sort of rained <laughs> on my parade a little bit and just completely destroyed them back when they had that quality defence. Um but I mean, I'm only an hour just about how good the game might be. I'm a bit unsure at the moment about how, how the Jags are looking next season. Um, at a glance, I would say, if anything, they might regress a little bit. You know, as unpopular as that opinion might be with some fans. But uh, I mean, I hope that's not the case. Um, they've still got the whole starting QB issue and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of Jags team shows up at Wembley, whether it's going to be a case of they're going to actually put up a good game or whether it could go the other way and it could be a little bit of a blowout sometimes can happen at these Wembley games yeah here's a, a little pop, snap question to you Craig who's starting next year Minshew or Foles if it was me I, I'd go Minshew I think he's done enough to prove that he deserves a shot I think they've sort of seen what they're going to get with Foles and you, you've also it's a, it's a lot of money to pay someone who's such a huge injury risk Um at this point, if it was me, I'd cut my losses with Foles and I'd take a punt on Minshew. Or have they just figured out the formula that you have to have Foles as the backup? If, if you'd be willing to play backup. <laughs> True. Anyway, a um, couple of uh, extensions and retirees and moving around. Uh, Jalen Richard has signed a two-year 7 mil extension with the Raiders. Congrats. Uh, the D-line coach uh, of the Raiders, Brenton Buckner, he has returned back to the Arizona Cardinals. The Broncos offensive coordinator is expected to join my Eagles offensive staff. I thought this might be a little interesting to you, Craig. Uh, only one team this year didn't have an offensive coordinator. It was the San Francisco 49ers, and they do it in a sense that they have an offensive pass like game co- uh, coordinator and a run game coordinator. We are now doing the same thing. Yeah, I think the idea of him coming in, um, I think the idea of Rich coming in is like to, he's done a lot of work with QBs in the past. Like he done a lot. He done a. He's done some good stuff with Drew Locke when he was at the Broncos. He's worked with the likes of Matt Ryan. He's worked with a lot of, a lot of, you know, well-known QBs in the league. And I think the idea of bringing him in to come and work with Wentz, I think, could be a big positive for for his next season. Yeah. So, yeah, that's how that's working out. He's not the offensive coordinator. He's our offensive pass game coordinator. Um, Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn has been extended through to 2021. Uh, And Shane Steichen has been named the offensive coordinator, um, which he took over halfway through this season. Um, uh, Long-time DN for the Panthers, Wes Horton, has retired. Uh, They're not not doing a... They're not having a, a good run of things, the Panthers, at the minute. Oh, in God, terms no, of people yeah. retiring, are they? Greg Olsen's now a free agent as well, and he's getting looked at by 
the Bills, the Redskins, and the Seahawks. Uh, that would be a great pickup for the Seahawks if he winds up there and the Redskins as well. I was say the Redskins. I'm really starting to fear the Redskins. Well, I was reading earlier today about Ron Rivera saying about the whole thing with the is it Williams? Um, he boycotted the season pretty much, didn't he? Is it Trent Williams? Oh, Trent Williams. Yeah, the left tackle. Yeah. Um, he believes that he might be able to sort of sort that issue out and get him back in and and everything else. So I I, I mean I, it's it, it's a franchise I think especially over this off season and the beginning of next season I think I'm really gonna watch closely because I think they could yeah. be a big surprise for some people. No, I hundred percent agree with you, mate. I think the Redskins are probably the most interesting team to watch over the the off season. Uh, I think. I pr- I honestly, even though the rivals, I pray that Dan Schneider has re- like relaxed some of his control to that. that um, yeah, I think the, big, the biggest question the mark with them is going to be Haskins and can he can he take that next step from where he's at because he looked so shook this year and he really struggled at times and he was throwing so many in so making so many stupid mistakes and if they can sort of iron that out with him and get him properly. NFL ready and on the right track I think they could you know really really go somewhere this year compared to how they've been the last last few years totally agree with you mate uh, there's also the Arizona Cardinals have signed a Canadian football leaguer quarterback Chris Streveler uh, he's been released from the Blue Bombers and um, I've heard you, you said they wanted to use him as a yeah, he's Taysom a, Hill type. Yeah, he's supposed to be like a, a Taysom Hill type. So I'm hoping if, if I'm, what I've read about him, because he's not someone I'm particularly familiar with. I'm not particularly familiar with the CFL. For, from what I can gauge, he's a bit of an all-rounder. He's a little bit of a guy who can sort of do a bit of everything, even though he is technically a, a QB down on paper. Um, you know, but Arizona, they've already got their QB at the moment, haven't they? So I think they're hoping to bring him in and use him the same way the Saints have kind of used Taysom Hill and get him just doing other bits and bobs. I really hope that position becomes more of a well, it's, it's, thing. It's basically a fullback who can throw. Like, it's basically, yeah, yeah they, they block, they catch, they, they do a little bit of everything, you know what I mean? And then occasionally they can throw the ball. But I think having that kind of threat in your backfield gives you so many more options and it gives a defence, in terms of making reads and plays to look out for and to prep for and stuff, it overcomplicates things so much because you've got guys on the field who can who can do anything. And you know which fullback wants through a pass in his college football days? Go on. Myself. The safari play, I, I popped a throw to Alex Halston. Um, the giraffe. <laughs> uh, Falcons have confirmed by themselves. They've released the information <laughs> themselves, which was great fun. I appreciated that picture that come up. Go on, I'll let you finish your point. So he's, uh, they're not signing, not going to attempt to negotiate with Vic Beasley. Uh, who's attempting to become a free agent. What picture were you talking about? There was a, a picture that I, I, I come across where the Falcons had announced that they were not going to like enter in any kind of negotiations with Vic Beasley and they were going to let him hit free agency. And someone had replied back with source, question mark, as say, like, what's your source? And their response was just literally, literally us, full stop. The Falcons, you know what I mean? Like, I just I appreciated the the response back to them as if to say like, um, like okay, like this is coming directly from us. Like, 
what, 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 like, what you expect. Like the the sarcasm and the response was just it tickled me. Like, okay, and finally, former first round pick Joshua Garnett has signed with the Lions after a year out of football. He was a former 49er who really chose the wrong year to sit out. Yeah, I think he was the 28th pick overall in that draft, so he went, he went reasonably high. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, and final bit of news is, don't, for everyone to, uh, don't everyone forget that Amazon Prime, if you have that um, program service, their new American football series, All or Nothing. I think it's their fourth or fifth season's coming out. Uh, it's a very good look into a season kind of in action. Uh, and it is the Philadelphia Eagles this year. Uh, I think it's the first All or Nothing team to make the playoffs. So uh, it'd be interesting to watch. So I uh, highly suggest that. Okay, on to our kind of discussion for today. Someone in the chat, either you or Joe, suggested doing a very very early top 10 for yeah that comes from me you know and I'm like I like a good I like a good list like a good power ranking I like a good power ranking I think I like it's a cause for debate you know what I mean it's a cause for to see where people's heads are and sometimes people do make some interesting points I think sometimes that some people might overlook so I I like a good power ranking so yeah we're going to do our top 10s are we doing it so like right now or as if when the teams enter the season. Yeah, so I've just done it as where I think these teams are going to, in terms of next season, where I think they're going to be, yeah, where so I think these teams are going to be at. Week one, what their team's going to be, so not right. So with the draft included and all that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, cool. That's what I've done as well. I mean, I've already got my two teams that I think are going to make the Super Bowl next year, but we'll... Well, we all know you think it's going to be the Eagles and Ravens. Oh, not quite half right. Yeah, the Ravens ain't making it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, do you want to kick us off with your? Let's go. Let's go. Uh, descending order number ten. Okay, so my number ten, I've got the Rams. Now that might be a surprise to some people the way they they showed up this year, you know. But I think this year for them, it was a bit of a freak year. I think for a team to get the kind of wins that they got and to finish in third was a bit of a surprise for a lot of people and I think they were unfortunate in terms of the way you know the way things worked out for playoffs but they still have a lot of talent on that roster they're still quite a young team they still have the ability to show up and beat people they just had a bit of a, a it was a bit of a freak shaky year I think so I think next year they, they iron some things out and there's some things that they can they can fix a little bit and I think they'll still be up there and around okay so for the 10th one, I've taken the Redskins. Purely as the what we stated before, I, th- I think they're going to draft Chase Young. Riverboat Ron's going to absolutely turn that team around. And they may not have continued success, but I think, as the NFC East loves to do, the Redskins will make the playoffs. Uh, what was your number nine pick? So, number nine, I've got the Denver Broncos. I think. Snap. Like I was saying earlier, Drew Locke, you know, especially towards the back end of the season, I think they had four wins back to back. They were putting up decent numbers. They looked like a pretty strong team and they closed out pretty strong. And I think they'll they'll carry that on to next season. They do have some good pieces in place. They do 
they do look good. Like they finish strong, and I think that I think now that Drew Lock sort of up and running and sort of a bit more comfortable on the field, I think they're a team that could make a little bit of a run going into next season. Totally agree, mate. They were my ninth pick as well. Drew Lock, like you said, I think he yeah he's he's had to develop this season because he was trash in the in the preseason, and he he looked really good. The run game strong. They just got to, I think shore up their O line and f- plug some of the holes in their defense because they've really got the opportunity to be something special. And then, what was your eighth pick? So eighth pick, I've got the Patriots. Um, now it might be surprisingly low on some people's lists, um, but I think their defense is solid. I think yeah, Brady is aging, but he can still, to an extent, get it done. Um, their own game is okay. I think one of the biggest letdowns for them is that wide receiver, but this year's a good draft for picking up wide receivers, so it depends on what areas they, they decide to address in the draft. But potentially it could be something that they could address and to get you know, to sort of get a bit better than they have been this season. Um, but, you know, even with their experience and with Bill Belichick and his coaching and everything else, I still think that they're gonna be up and around. So I like I like where you've gone there. I'm going to take another playoff team, and I've got the the Packers at number eight. I think they they just need to do some things on their defense. Uh, their their offense is going to be fine. They just got to get something right on their defense because obviously Zadarius Smith is is great, uh, but their their defense was just make giving up too many big plays, and if they could just stop that. I think they'll be uh, back in the top 10. And what was your seventh pick? So at number seven, I had the Green Bay Packers. Um, I think their biggest issue is at the minute just receivers. I think they've got one solid standout receiver in Adams. And like, like I said earlier with the Pats, and I think that's their main area to address. And this is the draft to do it. You know, from from what I'm hearing, you know, I'm not big on college, but from what I keep hearing and what I keep reading everywhere I'm looking is that this draft is one of the deepest it's ever been in terms of quality of receivers. And I think it's an area that they could definitely improve on if things pan out right. Um, you know, they could tweak the defence a little bit, like you said. Um, but I think if they can address that, you know, and even after a, a decent run this year, you know, people were saying thirteen and three, they were a thirteen and three team, but you can only beat who's in front of you, they got the job done. But the one thing I always felt like they were lacking was just just they just need another couple like one or two quality receivers on that offence and I think they'll be up and running. Yeah, agreed the whole well we'll have draft episodes, but that is the talk of this draft that it's all receivers. Uh, number seven I had the New Orleans Saints. I think they're just Drew Brees is going to regress in the same manner that Brady started regressing, and I, I just don't think it's going to be sustainable. Um, I kind of hope he'll prove me wrong because I do love seeing Brees to Thomas. It's a pretty unstoppable combination, but I just don't think they can outlast Mother Time. Uh, so yeah, maybe a bit of a, a low ranking for them, but hey ho. Uh, what's your sixth pick, Craig? So my sixth pick is the Eagles. Um, as badly as it went for them this season, you know, they still managed to make the playoffs. You know, I think Wentz did an incredible job considering he had lost all his running backs, considering he was throwing to 
practice squad guys and guys off the street, his completion percentage and his QB rating and everything was still still spot on and very high considering the, the guys who he had around him. You know, they still made it to wildcard weekend, you know, so fair play to them. I think next year when they come back, they're going to need some receivers, like I said, and this is a good receiver to have to pick some up. Um, they're going to need some more pace and stuff like that and you've got Deshaun Jackson coming back like I said Wentz is showing just how good of a QB he is considering of what he had around him and how he was able to make it work um, I think you shore up that defence a little bit maybe add another receiver or two and I think I think the Eagles will have a good run of it I think they were very unlucky this year in terms of injuries and it was a bit of a freak year for them and I can't see that happening again surely Mate I'm absolutely the same six for the Eagles the same points you've made there. Big, there's some big receivers in this draft. We we need to need to hit home on one of them. I believe our first round pick will be a wide receiver, and then yeah, a couple of holes on the defense. We just need to sort out the the defensive back room really. But yep, I've taken the Eagles as sixth as well. Who have you got into the bottom of your top five? So at number five, I've got the New Orleans Saints. Uh, a little bit higher than you. I think they will have the same sort of issues that you were saying earlier. I think there's a chance that Breeze could maybe regress, but there's a lot of talent on that roster. And other than Breeze and a couple of other places, there's still quite a long, quite a lot of young players on that roster. The defense is solid. They were one of the best defenses in the league from the games that I seen last year. Their ability when they rocked up on their day to just shut teams out and even score points was was great to watch. And they've got a lot of talent on offense. And I think they're still going to be there or thereabouts next season. Yeah, I could see where you're coming from there. I've got a lot of talent there. Uh, I've actually taken the Patriots here at fifth. Uh, and I, I was thinking, is this a little bit high for them? But I honestly believe they're, they're just going to do something in this draft correct, right? They're going to they're gonna get an outstanding receiver uh, and they're just going to m- m- change Tom Brady's game to the point where he can just go back to his usual ways just because that's what Bill Belichick has always done. He's always succeeded. So I think they will find a way and they'll be better than last year. I know Joe will love me saying that, but I, I truly believe that. Uh, number four, we're, we're going into our maybe championship teams kind of. Yeah. So at number four, I've got the Seattle Seahawks. Ooh. Um, I think we were talking earlier about potentially them getting Olsen. I think that would be a great pickup for them. I think they have a very strong linebacker core. Obviously, Wilson is just he's one of the best QBs in the league. You know, he's easily top three. He can just he can just get it done. You know, he's great at scrambling, he's great at at just extending plays and managing to find a ways to just score points. And I think you know, they were they were the same going into playoffs when they came to face use, you know, they were banged up, they had quite a lot of injuries, they were a bit unfortunate. Um they've got some good receivers there now. I think after a season of playing with Wilson and stuff, that chemistry will sort of develop a bit more. Um I just think you need to shut up that old line a little bit, shut up that defence a little bit and I think they'll be good to go. I think they'll be a better looking team going into the back end of next year than they were this year. Really interesting. I just, I just don't think they've learned from their mistakes every year. They just, they've never fixed that O line for Richard Russell. Sorry. Um, number four, I had the Titans. I think they're going to re-sign Tannehill to a long contract because they figured him out. Then just continue with the same. 
kind of sharing method they need. I disagree. I think in terms of the Titans, in my, I mean, just my personal opinion, I think it was a, a flash in the pan. It was a bit of a, a free year for them. I think they'll be figured out in terms of how to beat them um, next year. And I, f- I don't think they'll have as good a run of it. I don't think they will get figured out because their game is such, it's just fundamental football, power game, and then nice, easy passes. I, I don't see them making playoffs next year, personally. All right, okay, okay. Who have you got going third? So, in third place, I've got the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I think they regress a little bit, Super Bowl hangover and all that, but you can't deny the talent on that team, especially on that offense. Um, they def- you know, they could shore up that defense a little bit, but in terms of in terms of their offense, like the you know with Mahomes and Hill and Kelsey and Watkins and everything, there's just they've got so many weapons and they're so good at what they do. You can never really rule them out, regardless how long's left on the clock. And I think. I think they'll get up and thereabouts. I think they might make the championship game, but I don't think they'll make it back to the Super Bowl, but they're definitely going to be big contenders next year. Okay. It's a young squad. You don't really lose anyone. Yeah, I see, I see where you're coming from. I I don't think they regress at all, though. I think they can only move... Obviously, Super Bowl hangover, blah, blah, blah. They can only move upwards, I think. I don't think they can... Because they're not losing any massive free agents from what I'm aware of. Aware of. I think they can make better moves. Uh, anyway, I had the the runner-ups, 49ers here. Uh, things you were saying before in the podcast, they've got a young squad. that uh, it's It should, shouldn't be too much trouble to build up on this strong foundation, especially with Nick Bosa on a rookie contract. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think they're not going to not gonna go back to, backwards too much. They just need to maybe get a, a star player outside of George Kittle who seems to have on and off games. And into our top two, who's who's broken second for you, Craig? So at the moment, these are the two teams that I think are going to make the Super Bowl. My number two on this list is the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I think they're going to get better next year. I think Lamar's only going to get better. That that heavy run offense is so stuffed, so tough to stop. You know, some teams think they've figured it out, but they haven't. They've got so many options in terms of running. The ball is so heavy with the run. It's so difficult to stop. That old line's very good at what they do. Um, I think next year they're going to make it to the Super Bowl. I think the the one weakness that they do need to shore up is they need to shore up that defence a little bit, especially with you've got question marks in terms of free agency. You know, you've got the likes of Jimmy Smith and a couple of other big names on that defence that are potentially up for grabs because um, they are struggling with cap, cap room a little bit in terms of contracts. But if they can, if they can just iron out that couple of issues on, on the defence, I think um, they'll be definitely up and running next season and in my opinion, at the moment anyway, I feel like they could make it to the Super Bowl. Okay. I had the Kansas City Chiefs going second there. Uh, I've not, not not decided on my Super Bowl yet, but yeah, I could, I could see could still again see the Chiefs going back, but I just think it's so hard to call it because the Patriots just ruined all expectation of all teams. But for the reasons you mentioned, I, I, except for outside of regression, that Mahomes can only get better. They've got Tyreek Hill, they've got uh, Kelsey. 
they they can ad- address problems uh, in the in the drafts. Uh, but I just think they've got a, a good basis for everything. And finally, who is your top team entering the 2020 season? So my top team for next year uh, and the other team I think is going to make it to the Super Bowl. We're going to have a repeat of the last time the Ravens won the Super Bowl. It's San Francisco. Um, they, they, they showed that they're a great team. They very nearly got the job done on Sunday night. Um, and I think this time they're just going to come back with a vengeance. I think they're going to come back feeling very hard done by. They're going to come back with a very big chip on their shoulder. Um and they're only going to get better. It's a very, very young side, like the Ravens and the Chiefs and a couple of other sides that we've named in this list. You know, the, it's a very, very young roster. You've got a lot of rookies and a young guys on there, um, and they're going to, they're just going to be hungry for more, in my opinion, and I think they're, they're definitely going to be one to watch. They were a big shock and surprise of this year, and I think that, that just carries on and continues into next year. They're not really losing anyone, as far as I'm aware. Um, Garoppolo looks good and looks like he's he's getting a bit better. Um yeah, I think I think they're going to be they're going to be the powerhouse and one of the the big teams to watch next season. Interesting, and of course, I've taken your Ravens as my number one. I just outside of anything happening to Lamar, all all they've got to get right is how to play each team, because obviously they they just couldn't play the Titans. Uh, and I think once the Ravens learn how to beat all types of teams, uh, whether they're run heavy, pass heavy. Uh, kind of big defensive motors. Once you guys learn how to play that, you're going to be undefeatable. But anyway, there's our top tens. Tell us uh, where you think we are absolutely wrong or absolutely right. Uh, yeah, next so- uh, next week hopefully we'll be able to get hold of get all the Joes and maybe Tim's. Yeah, definitely, we'll definitely get it posted on the on the Instagram. Uh, but hey, that's the the very early top tens. We'll have a look at them coming into the season as well uh, to see how wrong we were. But anyway, on to the questions uh, we've received. Uh, what was this one we've received here, Craig? Yeah, so uh, I apologise to whoever I got this off because I can't remember who who gave me this question. So apologies. I'll give you a shout out at a later date if you're kind enough to remind me. But it was a um, what if any real changes would you like to see next season? It's gotta be onside kicks, hasn't it? Well I I had three down in mind and that was one of them. To change the onside kickback. Like it's it's so boring to watch and it's got to the point where it's so difficult to recover one now the teams just don't bother. Um, it's got less than a 10% recovery rate, which it used to be around 20% on the old the old way, which was, in my opinion, a good a good yeah, you'll place take a to one be. In five chance, yeah, you? you'll t- you, yeah, you'll take a one in five chance, but now it's just dropped to one in ten, and it's so it's so ridiculously difficult to even fathom recovering one. Other than all the madness that happened in that Saints game, which was just, I think, freak luck when it comes to onside kicks. Um, you just they're so difficult to recover it just it needs they need to just change it back you know the whole point in changing it was to make the game more interesting and more exciting like they did with the PATs and stuff like that but it just it just hasn't in my opinion and I think I think it needs to they need to change it back shout out to figures does anyone out there listening change it back please have you heard about the proposed change what they practised in the AAF uh, go on enlighten me 
it is a fourth and fifteen. Uh, so you basically just do a fourth and fifteen down, and if you get it, you you start your downs from where you catch it or run it. Do you, get, do you know? Do you know what I mean? Okay, so instead of doing an onside kick, you basically have a you uh, play a fourth and fifteen. Okay, which makes your offense. You have to get an offensive play. Uh, they did it in the AAF, and I think these success rates were about where they wanted it to be. Uh, and it was generally just quite quite an exciting way of doing it. I'm not sure how I feel about that, to be honest. How because you basically you're basically it? just giving the team another 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 crack at it, another down, and then any teams that are particularly stand out in terms of throwing the ball, like they're going to have a much better success rate than a team that might necessarily be more of a run team. Um, I think with the onside kick, it's it's special teams which I enjoy because the thing I the thing I like the most about special teams is the unpredictability about it. It adds a whole different dynamic to the game a whole different set of skills a whole different set of talents you end up having a whole designated team to just to kick off and punts and stuff like that it's a different set of skills and I I like that about the game Okay. especially in terms of onside kicks because you don't see them as often and they are a 1 in 5 chance there's a good chance of getting one but it's not always guaranteed and I think it, in my opinion, I would rather just go back to the old onside kick. I think it was a lot more exciting. Yeah, back with the included run-up, I think, yeah. Definitely. And it's a level playing field for everyone then, because regardless of what type of team you are, it doesn't matter. It's whether you, you, you're repping onside kick or not. What other changes would you propose outside of the onside kick? Um, okay, so I, for me, it was just in terms of officiating. I think the way they officiate the regular season, they need to officiate the, the, the same way as they do the postseason. You know, like in in the regular season, there's so many more penalties that get called than they do in the off season. Where in the in the postseason, sorry, where like in the they let a lot of minor penalties or penalties that you might see that don't necessarily interfere with a play get ignored in the playoffs. Whereas in the regular season you could have like uh, you could have like a let's say a boot to the right hand side or something, or you could have a big throw or something to the right hand side, and there was maybe like a a, a pi on the left hand side, or it may be like a, a little hold or something on the left hand side, and he'll throw a flag. Now, like that that incident that's happened on that side of the field, more than likely, you know, you you would have to judge that as a referee. But the majority of the time, these a lot of these little penalties don't impact the play overall whatsoever, but they'll still give them. And all of these, I think it's it kills momentums of games. There's just far too many penalty flags getting thrown. They need to just let the players, to an extent, play and understand that sometimes these little things do happen. And as long as it's not interfering with the play in any major particular way, then I don't see the point in throwing the flag on it. And that's coming from someone from who's a defensive coach and I play defensively and stuff and I'm talking about being held. But like, I, to an extent, I get it. You need to let the game, to an extent, flow. It already oh, stops. Yeah. It, yeah, it already stops enough as it is. So these constant penalties for things, that inconsistency. Like you look at the the kittle one, the kittle flag. Now that kittle flag that got given was exactly the same as the Thielen one a couple of weeks earlier that didn't get given. 
exactly the same. Like if you look at the two clips, because I looked at it and I thought that looks familiar. And then I'm sure I've seen it posted like a couple of days later by someone else where they put the two clips side by side. They're exactly the same, exactly the same kind of push off, exactly the same sort of area. And in the Super Bowl, one gets given and weeks earlier for the for the Vikings, it doesn't. Like, they need to make their mind up in terms of what, especially in terms of PI, that rule has wound me up so much this year. <laughs> like, they really just need to sort of decide what is and what isn't and then to give it. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I like it more when they, they play it out when the receiver and the and the cornerback uh, could properly, like, play hands. Uh, and yeah, the the officiating does. I think it's prime time. That's why they're, they're not going to. Uh, yeah, sell. they're averaging in the regular season. They average around fourteen penalties a game. Now, if you conclude that, including the stoppages that are already in a game, it's it's ridiculous. Like some of the PI calls I've seen this year, like it'll be a pass and play to a receiver that's like on the top right hand corner of the field, and you'll have a PI on like a hitch route bottom left, and they'll they'll throw it. Like what's what's the point? And then even then, it's a questionable PI call because, I mean, how do you? I can't even define that rule anymore. It's like as long as the defensive back is within two yards of the guy and doesn't come anywhere near him or touch him, he won't throw. Like it's 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 just it's gotten to the point where it's ridiculous now. Especially I I I, I really feel like I felt I, like last season I really felt for defensive ends and D linemen, you know, with all the stuff that was going on with like Clay and everything else and like some of the penalties that were getting thrown in terms of like hitting a QB and stuff and but I think this season it's it's gone it's it's gone a bit further downfield and it's cornerbacks and safeties and things that are struggling more now where like this whole PI just situation's ridiculous now yeah I mean I understand it's a passing league and I think that's why they're implementing this thing I don't in my opinion I don't necessarily think it's for to help defend receivers and everything else. In my opinion, it's because it's a passing league. They want big, long chunk plays, people making spectacular catches. They want loads of points on the board because that's how what they think makes the game exciting and what people want to see. And in my opinion, it's destroying the game. Yeah, but I think it's also, obviously, don't get me wrong, I love a big, big play, but it is to do with health. You see, you see the stars retiring now, and I just think they are trying to make it as safe as possible. And PI is, I agree, PI can be very petty when they clearly haven't, either way, obviously the Saints. Yeah, it's, it, well, PI isn't quite the same as hitting, hitting a defenseless receiver. Like that one, I get. It's like with the, what's that new, the new one, the, the, the new one they've put in for the. The, the block that you can't do anymore. A blindside. Yeah, like the, I, like stuff like that, like I get. A lot of the biggest hits in football come from blindside hits. So like reels like that and hitting a defenseless receiver makes sense because you've got guys with just a free shot on someone and a lot of the time it's a it's a pretty big, devastating hit. Like them kind of reels, if they're trying to make it safer, I understand. PI doesn't because a lot of the time PI is just like sort of pitter-patter, handsy you know sort of I think of like 
like kangaroos trying to punch each other kind of thing. It's just like, uh, you know, the throw hands at each other kind of thing. Like, that's the kind of thing it is, though. It's just like little kind of petty hands and stuff. Or, like, maybe one of them might do, like, a like a cheeky reach around someone or someone. Like, I get all that, you know what I mean? But it's kind of like holds on the defensive line. Like, the majority of them don't get called. It's something you just got to live with as a lineman. It's going to happen. Oh, yeah, I know about you know that. What I mean? like, it, it, but in terms of PI, it's the same as a receiver and a, and a defensive back. I think it's got to the point now where, like, any kind of contact is just, just, just kind of, you know, you've got to, you've got to find a receiver being able to sort of push off and get a bit of separation, or the DB doing that. In my opinion, is just showing that they've done their job correctly because they're either in the right sort of shade or the right body position, or whether they're below or behind. Like, in my opinion, that's just good coaching and being good at your position to make sure that you're in the right spot where you need to be, so you can push off and get where you want to be. In my opinion. Like to an extent, if he's like hugging the guy, then yeah, okay, I, I get it. Like it's a bit ridiculous, you know what I mean? But in terms of body position and stuff like that, for some of the flags that I see get thrown, I think it's ridiculous. All right, calm down, calm down. I'm sorry, I got, I got a bit heated <laughs> there and ended up on a, a much longer rant than I planned. I apologize. Anyway, uh, so yeah, finally, the one last thing I think they should do is just get rid of the Pro Bowl. I mean, I know I made the suggestion that didn't particularly go down with the the rest. Well, with the rest of these last time vote making the the suck bowl, the two worst teams go against each other. But I mean, just get rid of it. People just don't care. Even players don't care. They care about making all pro, but they don't care about making the pro bowl. The pro bowl is just a popularity contest. A lot of the players that go in don't deserve to be there. A lot of them that do go don't really take it seriously. I don't really bother. It's touch, it's touch football. And I'll ask my friend money. The um the only the only thing about the whole weekend I think anybody enjoys is the skill challenges. Oh yeah, they're the best part. But we'll get rid of it. Just repl- either get rid of it completely or replace it with something that's at least vaguely more interesting because nobody cares. Okay, and uh, Tim, what do you think of any rule changes? No 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 no. Tim, Tim um, clearly getting 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 partying with some Mexicans there. He's a dancing bean. Yeah, he's there with all his Latino black hole fans, <laughs> living it up. Anyway, um, we'll move on to a small um, announcement for the predictions. Uh, if you couldn't do the math or you you don't really care, the uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, no, no one's no one's asked. No one's Craig bothered. and Tim have actually drawn in the predictions. I believe Tim got um, MVP and score right, or MVP and winner. But you got your bold predictions, so uh, we will be discussing uh, tiebreak to see what um, see how we're gonna finish that off. Bit more excitement on that front, uh, but yeah, I think anything else you want to we want to talk about, Craig? Uh, not off the top of my head, no. So, do you want to tell all our lovely listeners how to find us? Yeah, so Twitter and Instagram is T A F S underscore UK. Facebook, like I said, just search that medical football show, and we should pop up. All right. Well, everyone, thanks for giving. Uh, us two are listening sorry Joe and Tim weren't available and we'll make sure they're here next time Uh, and what does Tim usually say when we finish take care you old chicken
Okay, cool. I feel like that was very short. How annoyed would you be if I'd said I'd accidentally start, stopped recording? When? Never started. What, we never started recording? <laughs> no. What, are you messing? Yeah. Oh, fuck, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, fuck me, man. We've just been chatting for like over an hour and you didn't even hit record. <laughs> yes. I've never heard you go, you're messing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to fucking order a taxi and drive down to Manchester. I have, I have, I have a few words. No, I'm, I'm just playing, mate.